Hi, this is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Thank you for listening. I am Nick. This is a podcast, and it's a damn good one. Today we've got a guest. His name is Derek Beckles. He's an old friend of mine. He's from where I'm from, except a little further east. He's from a place called Scarborough, and I am from a place called the heart of downtown Toronto. Toronto. Apparently you're never supposed to say the T, but I say the T sometimes, and I don't care. You know, you're supposed to say Trana. No, Toronto. Or Toronto. Or Toronto. No big deal. Wear a mask. Our uh, story today involves the man I mentioned earlier, Derek. A man I met at a party. 20 years ago? Maybe over 20 years ago? That's craziness. He's worked for Adult Swim, worked on the Eric Andre show, did a show called Mostly for Millennials with Eric Andre. He uh, is responsible for TV Carnage, which is uh, very influential on uh, the Adult Swim vibe. He's been doing that since uh, the 1990s. And if you haven't watched it, it is a great compilation of um, the insanity of television that has led us to where we are today. And we get into uh, Carnage somewhat deeply uh, in this one. And he also has a show called uh, Hot Package that was on Adult Swim. I mean, the, the fella is all over the place uh, doing great stuff. And he has a brand new show called The F Spot, which we talk about in the podcast. And that's a focus group centered show will be premiering on Adult Swim, perhaps by the time you've seen this. Otherwise, not long after. So keep an eye out for it. Uh, yeah, Derek is just a really bright, really inspired, energetic, tall. And I, I think you'll enjoy our talk. And if you do enjoy our talk, uh, you can listen to, he's been on the Danko Jones podcast with me. And I don't know. I don't know what else he's been on with me, but I, I'm sure something. And he's also made a bunch of videos, music videos for people like Dirty Ghosts and Islands, Electric Six. So, I mean, look at this person, Derek. God, what a, what a, what a series of credits. Here's my talk with my talented buddy, Derek Beckles. All right. I mean, okay. Um. This is always fun when we just kind of like talk. That was me. I'm not gonna lie. No, I heard you there, and it was uh, loud and clear, as they say. <laughs> Derek. Yeah. Hey, I'm back. What are you reacting to here? What is the digestive reaction when listening to? What is the what? I said digestive reaction. It's because it's because I'm having a Sapporo. It's my it's my way of like uh, cheating a Canadian uh, a Canadian beer into my life because I brew it in Canada and Guelph. Yeah, it's owned by Molson. Yeah, so it's like my it's like my cheat. How Canadian are you out of ten? It varies, but it's like I'm always like I'm always like cruising at an eight at least. Yeah, depend depending who you're talking to, it can it can hit a ten. Well, I mean, like in my in my in the way I kind of recognize the view, I, 
uh, sorry, recognize the world, my my view, the lens I see through is pretty fucking Canadian. Yeah, I have a, I have this a similar thing, and and how would what's what's pretty fucking Canadian though? Like, what is the Canadian style of looking at things? Uh, what's the what? What's that scope that we look through? The telescope that a Canadian viewpoint sees. You know, how do we? See? I don't know. I think I, unless you're like unless you're trying to be like, I think Canadians for a lot of reasons like if you want to be like a ruthless canadian it doesn't come across terribly well like you just end up looking sadder than ruthless when you are ruthless like if you want to be like the bad dojo guy it just feels like an act for canadians more than something that comes naturally yeah and it winds up being um it, it looks bad across the world like it's a more aggravating version of assholeness because there's so much uh, um, like self-esteem problem evident at oh, the heart. Oh, shut up, Nick! <laughs> See, it just doesn't work. I liked it. No, I hate I, it. I think that like we, I, 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 now, I now, if if you want to talk about like being passive aggressive, we can be very passive aggressive. We can be kind of like dicks through our passive aggressiveness, um, and we can be. I can, you know, I'm quickly scrolling through a list of Canadians that have entered the uh, our our uh, the zeitgeist, <laughs> social media zeitgeist that are like terrible human beings. Uh, but it's mostly because they're just terrible human beings. But they're also they're also putting on an act as well. So you know. Anyway. I, I think also there's kind of like when attention comes Canadian, the, the, especially in like social media times, I've, I, it's interesting when I track, uh, like verified Twitter accounts that are irritating on whatever side of the spectrum, especially ones from like people who are like freelance writers, a lot of the time I'll be like, Oh, you're Canadian. You know, and and it's you it's recognize a, it in their in their writing style. You mean? Uh, no, no. Like I'll just like look into them, and it'll turn out they're from Canada, and I'll go, "Oh, that makes sense. That's why right. this." <laughs> yeah, you hear a bunch of Canadian clicking noises in your head, but it's yeah. it's, it's, it's clicking noises that only Canadians can hear. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's the Canadian dog whistle, which would be like yeah. Newfoundland. Terrier or whatever whistle. It's a Labrador or something. Um, what's your favorite? It's a Labrador um, Scarbarian dog. Oh yeah, you're a Scarbarian. Yeah. You're yeah. born. I grew up in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. It was like a desolate suburban wasteland. It was like your, you know, prototypical suburban wasteland. A lot of the kids up there were, it was like a, kind of like the high schools I went to, the high, the high school I went to was like, or, or I went to the most, because I changed high schools, was, um, had a lot of rich kids in it. So people who were not, didn't have the, the uh, rich, we were, people who weren't of the uh, wealthy ilk were like, didn't have the rich gene. <laughs> we were, 
we benefited from it, um, which was great. But um, I got an early lesson in where they thought my place should be in society. So that was interesting. Um, that's a rough thing, man. That's that's that sucks because of the formative era that that child time is in, high, especially high school. Even like high school, if, when, if people like are mean to us or or make us mad, it's like really hard not to feel powerless. Even you know, so so then you're fucking annoyed, fighting annoyance for like a long time after that. But then again, well, it it's kinda, just like. It's you kind of end up having like this. You kind of, you kind of, you have this like, at, at the very least, part time job, and other day, some days it becomes a full time job that's on top of just trying to survive in high school. So being somebody with a permanent tan on my body, <laughs> compared to the kids who flew around the world to get their tan, um, I like I had I had extra. I always had like extra assignments, extra life assignments. And after a while, it get like, it just fucking, it's exhausting. Man. It's just exhausting. It's, it's a, it's a form of tax that is like beyond burdensome because it's like psychological tax. And you're not exactly, you're not at like your most psychological or psychologically fit um, part of your life when you're like a teenager, right? Like you're trying to figure shit out. And then, they have all kinds of other crap just like diarrhea on you for no reason while you're trying to make friends. And you're also trying to make excuses to a certain degree for the kids that are being shitty to you because you want to survive. Um, it's really, it's really fucking not good. I went to like, I gotta say it. I went to, I went to high school, I high school had a lot of white racist kids. Um, also had a lot of like other types of racist kids. I mean, like, we, it was very Canadian to a certain degree where there was like an international coalition of racist kids. Um, one of the kids that, the, one of the kids that was like the most tormenting to me was a black kid too. He was not into interracial marriages. So, you know, you got like a real mixed bag of, of, uh, of buckets of human diarrhea. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, that when we were, when we're... <laughs> to mix my, to mix my metaphors. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not like trying to be a bummer, but you know, I'm just gonna be honest. Like yeah. it was it was not it was not, you know, sunshine and lollipops a lot of time in good old fashioned Scarborough, Ontario. As long as I'm not upsetting you, I mean this is the kind of stuff I like to talk about. And frankly, it's the kind of stuff we talk about uh not on Zoom that's being recorded. Uh so, you know, and I and it's like I see the frustration, you know, I've seen your frustration for years and, and it's interesting. And I don't mean frustration, like, you know, something that is just how frustrating it is living in, in Canada and then having to live in the US where there's just these two forms of racism. The US hasn't even, I don't even know if the US knows about inter, like within a community racism i mean obviously colorism is a thing but it's like they're still dealing with you know page one in a lot of ways and, and canada is like decided to start at page 30 but <laughs> we need to <laughs> the book is still thick yeah i mean well, yeah 
yeah, it's like I don't know. I don't I don't know how certain people have been able to. It's kind of gut wrenching. Gut gut wrenching down here sometimes. It's like, yeah, man. It's it's <laughs> it, it, like where to start, right? Like there's a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of healing that has yet to be done. That's and I mean that's the most diplomatic way I can put it. It's uh, and and there's a lot of people who have have kind of like an ethical idealism where they want things to be better, but I don't think they really want to get any dirt on their suits. You know, I always like I always compare it to like just people walking around in like white tuxedos trying like not to get dirt on themselves. Well trying to be ethical angels you know it's like you can't have it both ways so if you really want things to change that white tuxedo here is just gonna get a little bit messy yeah but like it's, you, it's, it's for a good reason just, you know i mean do you think that the u.s i i i'm trying to figure out what i'm seeing there and in canada we have it a lot too people falling over themselves to um change things white people but I, I always get a sense that like, it's rarely about um, giving up your platform and position in order to actually engender change. It's like, I wanna still have this and I'm gonna stand for the right thing. You know, when on some level it's like, you know, giving up power, shutting your mouth is, and letting other people talk is, and and cooking supper for everybody silently is what <laughs> a lot of people should be doing right now you I know yeah i feel like you know i feel like it's um i feel like a lot of people it's human nature but i when i see people realizing things after a certain age i'm just like what the fuck were you doing the rest of your life <laughs> Like, what was like going through your head every day that you existed? Nothing, or you were ignoring stuff, or you just like kept kicking it down the road? Like that sounds exhausting too, you know. Um, so it's like you know, it's it's like we're in this place where society is like offering an update every day, <laughs> and uh, we just keep going like update tomorrow. <laughs> Now, your computer just got like we got a new software update it's like update tomorrow i think um and it all so uh, like, you know, i was just gonna say that it's just that it's like i think people have figured out how to wag their finger and like and and play the part of someone who integrity is you know a lot sounder than perhaps the generation before them perhaps they're parents and stuff like that but they still act in a way and and only digest the world in a way that is still like really harmful you know so um and they expect the same things out of the world um and they don't realize that also does harm um i'm being so generic because i don't want to like I, I could just rip into this so much, and I just <laughs> like it. I'm like, it's exhausting, dude. I think a lot of people I know are full of shit. How's that? Like a lot of people I know who play the part of 
of furrowing their brow and nodding their heads are as complicit as the people who are like, stop whining. Like they're, they kind of should just share the same, um, you know, they should share the same kind of like Uber dismissal, uh, and drive into the sunset. Uh, well, yeah, but, but what's, what do you think is, uh, in Canada, uh, the, the Canadian, not the version of that, but like, what, what is someone in this country who doesn't necessarily at all recognize like the crazy racial history of so many places here and, you know, in, like, how can they not just be brow furrowers when we as a nation are fucking barely furrowing our brow when bad stuff happens? We're just kind of like, oh, that's so bad. I think about the Stone Angel, you know, like a, like a big part of Canada's story is how shit we all have it. <laughs> you know, like the Stone Angel is literally this like 1800s woman named Hagar. And yeah. she just like suffering her whole life and her family is shit. And then the last part of the book, the last line of the book is she's like, and then, and then she's dead. <laughs> and, and so when we're hit with the many moralistic uh, CBC miniseries that have been happening since the eighties, you know, um, where the spirit lives about residential schools or boys of St. Vincent. Um, and, and like, I, I mean, how does, like, how does Canadian, passive aggressive uh submissive stuck in uh neutral um or overly histrionic and practically hysterical mm -hmm. you know how does that mentality uh, adjust to racism because because i'm just trying to i guess what I, i'm wondering is like how much has changed in terms of what you've seen in at least Toronto and let's say Toronto because you spent the most amount of time there. I, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, it's hard to say. I mean, like cities are, cities are kind of like their own um, social experiment and, and bubble. Um, I've been like lucky enough to see so much of Canada. I love Canada so much. And it gets pretty, I think, I think what people just don't realize is that like a lot of the times that I tried to explain to my friends who didn't have the same experience of me racially, um, what was going on or what I had encountered, I, I was kind of like tisk tisk. Like I was met, I was made to feel like I was either whining or it wasn't what I thought it was or. Yeah, had that kind of like, oh, come on. I'm sure that didn't happen. Like, I've had, actually had people tell me that the experience that I've had in Canada didn't happen. I've told, I've not like, just like as, as little as three years ago in Toronto at a party, people were talking about race and like these dudes just walked over who, you know, uh, were just kind of Canadian white dudes in there just like told me to shut up and stop, stop bumming people out. And I was just like, I'm not even saying anything. A and B, fuck you. <laughs> well, there you go. Shut up and stop bumming people out. That's the Canadian, uh, <laughs> one of the go-tos. Yeah. I was just so disappointed. I just like left. And I was like, it also just makes you feel so kind of alone. You know, yeah. sometimes you guys through just, just, 
like if if I was talking about if I was talking about like if it was reverse and I was talking about how a bunch of people moved in onto this onto my block and they were from a different part of the world and they didn't understand how we did things, and those guys would have been like, "Yeah, I know, right?" Like they would have been fully in on it. it would have. <laughs> It would have been a racial conversation, but just like to their liking, and it was so fucking—it's just so disappointing. And and I and and after years of trying to do stuff in Canada and knowing how we just don't—we have a lot, we pay a lot of lip service, but don't actionably do things. It's you just watch your life evaporate, waiting for other people to change. But ironically, you're not allowed to talk about it out loud because it bums people out. So you're supposed to be the subservient that just waits for people to get it. It's like, it might take a year, might take 10 years, it might take 200 years. But uh, I do think that... Just, that Just sit in the waiting room for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I want to do that. I just don't feel like I need to do that. And by the way, by telling me to do that diminishes my 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 mere existence as a human being. Like, I'm just being told to wait in the waiting room. It's like, what's next? Like, you're lucky we gave you a chair in the waiting room? Like, what do you say to me after that, you know? You're lucky the waiting room's inside and has and is heated? Like, what am I, where do I stop being thankful to people for not doing anything? You know, like, what, at what points do I get to go, like, actually, why should I be thankful for this? I think... Oh, God, this is such a big bucket. I don't want to talk about it. Well, let's move on. Are you ready? Yeah. Here, let's do a quick this. Um, let's talk about the early days, Derek. I'll tell you, and this it, I'll remember very well when we first met. Uh, it was at a party. During the time of a music festival, I believe it was Canadian Music Week or North by Northeast. I think it might have been in June, so that probably means it was North by Northeast. Yeah, it was. It was definitely summery, summertime. And, to summarize, it was summertime. <laughs> our friend Allison Baker. Oh yes. By the way, I mentioned to somebody that I was talking to you for the podcast, and he said specifically he likes your music videos you've directed, and. That he liked the Dirty Ghosts cataract video. Oh. So that's pretty cool. Who said this? Uh, my friend Sandy's partner. You know, mm. so. I was hoping it would be like Jimmy Fallon, but whatever. No, it was Fallon Gong, actually. It was one of those Fallon Gong protesters on the street with the newspaper. I was so proud that he knew you, you know, and I was proud of him for his fight. And uh, then I was proud of you for helping him. Then you realize you're on the Jimmy Fallon show. <laughs> then I got in. Uh, have you ever driven with James Corden and then got right off and had to get in the car with Jerry Seinfeld? Yes. Yes, that happened once. And uh, I, I don't know if it was James Corden's breath or something, but Jerry Seinfeld kept saying that I smelled like roast beef. And uh, I was like, I didn't eat any roast beef. And then he said have a coffee and then i said uh, i'd rather be uh maybe what you're smelling is cordon bleu, <laughs> no, cordon bleu. can you cut all of this please can we just start over again <laughs> like, uh, you're doing let's be funny let's be funny nothing's like 
the world's fine. Everything's fine. Let's be funny. <laughs> Everything is fine. Everything's fine. Let's be funny. Everything's fine. Let's be funny. Let's tweet. Let's do. Oh, let's, let's talk about. Have you heard wet ass pussy yet? No, wow. gosh. I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> it's like, it's, it sounds like a perjury trap. <laughs> have you heard the. Look, have you. Or have you have you now or ever heard WAP by Megan the Stallion as well as Cardinal B? Uh, I've heard it come out of your mouth right now. I haven't heard it either. What is this? What are you talking about? Is it is this a new, is this a new <laughs> frozen pizza company? What is it? Uh, it's supposedly coming out of Canada. <laughs> Canadian McCain pizza. Is it McCain's new frozen pizza for teens and they've gone a step too far? Is that what this product is? No. First Prime Minister uh, William Lyon McCainsey. Oh, God, Nick. Oh, don't forget to set your microphone and your entire studio on fire after this interview. How many people do you I think, think? I think you've, I think, I think comedy is putting a rope from Home Depot around its neck right now. I just like to make an obscure joke that doesn't even make people get the reference happy, you know? <laughs> well, I'd like to see you try harder, just because. <laughs> That's the note you've been giving me for years. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. When I wrote that joke for you uh, about um, a Jamaican flu called Fallujah, uh, that was one of my poorest. I think I put it on the album we actually did work out some of my stand-up jokes uh together here and there yeah don't, it's like don't tell me about that much <laughs> i just did and do you know how many people listen don't to this? That don't tell people just think it just think it just look at me with your eyeballs and i'll understand and then i'll just shake my head aggressively so i went to your party and yeah, awesome and uh we were into your house. It was cool. And you had, and I'm just going to zip right past this, a yeah. vast collection of, uh, you know, um, the history, a vast collection of the history of racism uh, memorabilia. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And a copy of a book I'd never seen in person before, uh, The Turner Diaries, which was illegal. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. And I was like... And you talk about permission. I was like, oh my God, like this dude's got all this stuff. So if you're smart about why you have something, well, then you can have it. And uh, then we got talking and I found out you did TV Carnage. It's also, I, also, you know, um, not, that I, not that I need to explain this, but I'm, I'm in no, I'm not necessarily in danger of being uh uh, becoming a recruit, let's say, of uh, someone who might <laughs> read the Turner Diaries. Uh, it's, a it's a specific manual for specific people, but this, the the and it's it's terrifying, and it's 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 a terrible read. It's it's terrifying. It's like it's nightmarish. People are always like, "Why would why would you read something like that?" And I was like, "Because if you don't read this kind of shit, you don't have to read it. You don't have to you don't have to." have your life be filled with that stuff but 
if you don't exactly, if you don't at least dip your toe into it and, and see how aggressively disturbing uh, certain things that people mention in passing casually, and th- you know, it's not like you have to like dig deep to find these people. They're like they're in the sunlight. Um, then you're doing yourself and people that you claim to care about whether they look like you or not, whether they are part of your specific community or not, you're doing people a disservice. You're, you're, you know, I've read hateful things about, uh, you know, homosexual and trans people because in the, in the, not because I am going to be recruited or, or I'm going to believe it. It's because I want to know what kind of dark rhetoric people use because eventually they're going to need to sanitize it to 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 open the fold um so i think that's the term i'm trying to use but open that damn fold in order in order to be ambassadors uh and 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 seem uh you know more level-headed in their desire to recruit people into some dark bullshit they need to be savvier and slicker uh, so it's interesting to know what the dark bullshit is because if you smell it in the air, you can smell it coming and, and not be, not be an unfortunate, uh, casualty. casualty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree completely. I mean, that's why, and it, it, I never thought of it that way, but it actually is, you know, what you were doing at that time, because I first read about TV carnage in a Viking that you might have even written about TV Carnage. And uh, and I was amazed, and I, I didn't know where to find it, but I'd always sought out things that were weird or questionable, and then probably going to that party and seeing you doing more of that um, has inspired me to keep tabs on right-wing blogs since about 2001. <laughs> and, and, and just sort of, you know, unfortunately- And start one. Yours, by the way, yours is going- is smashing smashingly it's mine is uh smashingly smash right dot ca uh smashingly right geist dot ca yeah mine is called right geist wrong guess dot p-o-r-g which i don't know what for. we got back on the subject again we're supposed to, everything's hey for all the people listening to this, that includes people who are um, strapped to a bed, infants who have no idea what this is, um, people waiting for their meals on wheels, <laughs> for all of you listening, um, we're going to lighten up here. We're going to, as the saying goes, lighten up, okay? We're going to have some fun. Everything's fine. Whoever's listening right now, just here's the one thing you got to know. Everything's fine. This is all a smokescreen. So there's there's a great guy named Q that uh, has taught me a few things recently, and uh, maybe it's a gal. I don't know, but everything's fine. Oh, we we should start a secret bakery called Q a nom nom nom. Jeez. Q a nom nom nom. No, we shouldn't. No, no, and this is not, it's not going to, unfortunately, people aren't going to hear that when you edit this together, Nick, just to let you know. <laughs> this podcast is not just unedited, but we add deep fake. 
extra stuff to the conversation. What about like QAnon tips and you can just clean your ears with them, but also get like information if you're willing to listen. A QAnon prophet. Yeah, a QAnon prophet. Call the QAnon tips line and you know, you can get hot takes on stuff and ear cleansing. You shouldn't clean your ears with QAnon tips or Q-tips, but but you should get a few cute tips. And one of the best people to give cute tips is none other than Mr. Derek Beckles. Yeah. Host. Tip one, if you want to be cute, bows in your hair. Bows. <laughs> yeah, bows in your hair. Uh, one of those tiny little little hats. Just cover yourself in bows. Wear a bow tie. Have a hat with a bow. Have some bows in your hair. Did you ever meet the uh, person who, uh, that guy who wears the suit with the question marks on it? You ever meet that guy? Oh, the guy who tells you about like all the government, um, yeah. about all the government subsidies you can take advantage of, that guy? Secret money. Secret money. Secret here's, money. The here's the original Q-tip line. <laughs> yeah, it all came from him. He went to somebody and said, you know, there's a lot of deep state money to be had. <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, I, I wrote this bit for you're going to cut all this down right so it doesn't sound like a depressing massive two two schizophrenics at a bus stop no no it won't yelling at the the reflections will be cut (laughs) can i I supervise it please okay so um i wrote this i wrote this bit we're doing like the second we're writing the second season mostly for millennials and we uh i wrote this bit Eric and I were laughing. Uh, we were obsessed with it. And then we wrote this thing on the side. Uh, d- uh, <laughs> Papa, Papa de Blasio's Deep State Pizza. And it was the, <laughs> and it was the sponsor for tons of the shit that was on the show. Uh, and I had a pizza gate with actual slices of pizza that I'd walk through. Um, brought to you by... Papa de Blasio's deep and delicious deep state pizza. But the network didn't like it. The network thought it was too, uh, um, I don't know, not antagonistic, but they don't like to go near anything. Like nobody, like nobody does. That's why everything's going to be fine. <laughs> Adult Swim. Nobody wants to talk about anything. Everything's going to be fine. Adult Swim is fantastic. You can simply see on this Zoom call what it's afforded me in my life. I'm seeing this this room you're in. And Garish. I, I've used this room. Man. I love this room. It goes, I, on for, it goes on for I I I can only I can only measure it in football fields. It is approximately seven football fields wide, thirteen football fields deep, twelve football fields delicious. Uh, <laughs> 14 football fields have come oh god what is what <laughs> I don't want to be on this anymore uh, so what are we going to talk about let's start from scratch <laughs> can we just start this over Nick let's, let's, let's do something here to get to get you feeling I feel like you know like when people have conversations that try and like you know they're <clears throat> they're Basically, uh, recording a conversation without the other person knowing, so they can <laughs> they can basically work out a a plea a plea bargain for their case. Um, I feel like I'm I'm you're doing that to me, except I know it. 
<laughs> and you, you agreed to it. I agreed to it. I need more energy. This room is really hot. I think that's why I'm kind of like, it's not your fault at all, but I'm like, yeah. energy and I'm kind of feeling poopy because this room is warm. It's the temperature of a mouth. Can you put the air conditioner on? I don't well, care. If I put it on, it's going to be so loud. Uh, why don't you try it and I'll just see, see what we're saying. I have my fan on all the time when I'm... Uh, this is going to perk me up. I'm allowed to have this on. I want you perked. <laughs> oh, that, that's... I thought that was a toilet, but... Substantial, no? You probably don't want that on. <laughs> I want you to be comfortable. The weirdest thing about this air conditioner is that it's intermittently making this sound. It's not like an ongoing sort of room tone. No, I, just, I think it's so loud that it's peaking and you can only hear it's clipping. <laughs> you can only hear it once in a while. Uh, we'll figure it out. The, uh, the worst case scenario is everything is unusable <laughs> for the podcast. Yeah, we can just do this anytime. Why don't we just start over? I'm Derek Beckles. Uh, hold on, I'm going to turn off American Oh, you just needed a little blast of it. I'm Derek Beckles, and uh, I'm a Canadian. I'm currently in Los Angeles, uh, a.k.a. Hollywood. Um, I rent a... Uh, sorry, I own uh, the L in the Hollywood sign. And uh, it is quite spacious, and I live inside of it. And I'm here to speak with Nick Flanagan. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, uh, Derek Beckles. This has been, uh, it's an honor. I've known you for uh, 20 years plus, and uh, it's hard to believe. It's been that long. It's been a long time, and it all dates back to us watching your TV carnage together, possibly ripping... We look fantastic. Though. Twenty years later, we look fantastic. We look almost exactly the same. I don't. Uh, I, I would say, and I, I don't think just I would say this, but I, I feel safe in saying, one hundred and fifty percent of the people who meet us say we even look younger. I think that probably two hundred percent even might say that we look younger than wow. the one hundred fifty percent. Wow! Say. I know that you do your research, so that's that's the number I'm going to start using. I do of my research, and thank you for asking. That's a wonderful segue into the beginning of your introduction. Now, your name is Derek. Mm -hmm. You grew up in Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. Yeah. I and believe Derek is, uh, uh, derives the etymology, uh, derives from Theodoric, uh, which uh, is leader of the people. You can look that up, and if I'm wrong, just... Ignore what you just found out about it being wrong and go with me being right. Now, where does Beckles, uh, what does that originate from? Do you think it was? Uh, well, um, I went to a genealogy lab. This is a true story. Everybody listening, buckle in, put on your true story. Everybody who gets, who listens to Nick's podcast by now should have their true story hats and put those on because you're about to hear a true story. And then if you call in the, in the number at the end of the podcast, you'll get a true story prize. Yeah. Yeah. Call into the podcast anytime and get call the into the podcast. 
So uh, true story is that uh, uh, Beckles, it, there was a guy who looks like, there was a photograph of him from the 19th century, mid 19th century. He looked like a caricature of the evil old man in the horror story that tells the teenagers not to go to the cabin. He's like a mid 19th century version of that guy. And he owned some people who were a different race than him. <laughs> and he, uh, he um, as a bonus, as a perk, uh, he gave them the last name Beckles. Oh, I see where this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's where, and it was uh, in Barbados. It's like a small part of, there's a, I believe originally where he set up this Ponzi scheme and gave some lucky recipients the last name Beckles. Uh, I believe that was in a part of Barbados called Christ Church. A beautiful name for a beautiful place. Yeah, it's the Vegas of Barbados. Is it really? I wish it was, because that sounds like quite a place. <laughs> what is, is there a Vegas in the Caribbean? I don't it know. Like? It's like... It's like it kind of feels like saying it's like the, it's the Vegas of Penetanguishin. I know. I love that expression now. I never thought about just sort of saying, oh, yeah, I'm in like the Vegas of Gibraltar. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, what's another good one is if you say if you use this one always makes me giggle. I like to say the name of a city and then say Fashion Week afterwards. And if you laugh, that's gives you an immediate, the, you know, it lets you know that your immediate kind of presumption about that place is that it is not sophisticated enough to have a fashion week. Or, and, and, uh, you know, it also just, it just, just tell, it's telling. How's that? It's telling. So I mean, like Des Moines Fashion Week. Indianapolis Fashion Week. Yes. <laughs> My giggle is telling. I don't know that I'm right or wrong, but... <laughs> I just think it's important to try to suss people out. You know? Sudbury, I met, we met at Sudbury Fashion Week. Right. Didn't I meet you at uh, Wuhan Fashion Week? There probably mm -hmm. is Wuhan Fashion Week because it's a large city. But it's also a uh, topical reference. It is. The Wuhan clan. When was the last time you got a haircut? That's a good question. Um... I kind of cut my hair on my own these days. With uh, what do you use for that? Like a razor, uh, you know, shears. Uh, what's what's uh, in the? Don't, I try to like I I'm 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 frugal, but I'm not just frugal. I'm not frugal like monetarily, as you know, I'm a big spender. But um, I'm frugal in terms of like. I'm technologically frugal, so I use toenail clippers to cut my hair. That's I'm like, if they're good enough for toenails. Yeah. I, I the upside is it's easy on the wallet, dude. You don't have to buy scissors. Yeah, I tan with like a lamp, like just a regular lamp. Mm. Like, mm, let's do this. Time to relax. That's why you always look so good. Thank you for that. And younger every day.
Is it you hard? You look amazing. What kind of sunblock do you use for that 40 watt light bulb that you have? Because you're technologically frugal, not monetarily frugal. We don't know that, but you I buy like a total non GMO uh, two sunblock. <laughs> you still use those uh, price chopper briefcases that you were so famous for? You had all your documents in those briefcases with the said price chopper. <laughs> I, I have one of those uh, milk crates full of records. <laughs> Dude, I mean, yes, that's like, you should never know have a milk crate with records in them. Are you kidding me? I say that because I currently have a milk crate with milk crates with records in them. I can't, I can't get away from that. It's like the most genius reinterpretation slash uh uh what's the what's the word i'm looking for like the repurposing thank you the repurposing of a of an object like seal test dude are you kidding me i don't, even know, a, those, I don't even know if those milk bastards are still around i hope they are but i don't think they are i think nielsen swallowed them up but, but uh, and then nielsen itself was small small <laughs> by Cadbury. what do you what do you think they were doing to the cows in the 80s and the 90s? Before people were like, oh, you got to start all those whiners about treating animals ethically. Ugh. I mean, they must have just been... Just like feeding them like glass and gasoline. I mean, chocolate milk. I do think that the stories about chocolate milk were probably overblown by like 2003. But before that, it probably was just blood that they put a little bit of chocolate in. You know? <laughs> It's, yeah. it's got to be, <clears throat> it's been so funny watching the progress of just regular dairy milk. How like at first they were like, we got. Well, I'm just like, it terrifies me. Like they used to like, they used to, um, if for anyone listening who's like loading a balloon filled with tomato sauce and blood, I, I was joking about the ethical treatment of animals. I think that they should be treated ethically. Yeah, all for it. I love animals. They're wonderful. I love gray animals. Oh, they're the best. The they're the, the best. best parents of the parents. But of seriously, animals. like they used to treat animals like <laughs> I just said, but seriously, whatever. Uh, they used to just treat animals like diapers. <laughs> like, like vipers? Did you say diapers? They were just oh. like, oh, you're just you're a, you're a diaper with eyeballs. Who cares about? Well, I'd, I'd be most interested in knowing like when heavy duty factory farming really started, because I would imagine that's when the shittiest treatment of animals probably started when there was like zero regulation on that, which probably would be what, like the mid eighties, early eighties. Well, I, I, you know, whenever, whenever people talk about, <clears throat> I don't know what people I'm talking about was let's, let's imagine there's a bunch of people right now talking about this, but you know, people are like, well, you know, when I was a kid in the, 50s when every, everything was just better and tastes better everything was better it's like well it depends who you were in the 50s but also there was no regulation like what the hell i'm surprised anybody from that era is still alive it's weird and they were just like mostly terrible people i think if anybody any, if anybody listening as a grandparent they're probably racist Unless it's uh, your your grandparent happened to be the great John Lewis, who recently passed on. Yes, yes. But then, like, you won the human lottery. Yeah. For the, with, for, the, for the rest of, like, the average humble scumbags that listen to your podcast. 
such as myself. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, um, I did a show in Los Angeles, and I, I mean, I, I asked everybody in the audience, who here's got a grand, who here's got a grandparent, ever heard of grandparents? Who here's got a grandparent? And everybody, you know, was putting up their hands and everything. I was like, well, congratulations. Next time you hug them, you can just, you can be secure in the fact that you're hugging a horrible human being. <laughs> it's probably a racist. I think we just need to like redefine grandparents as just like terrible people. Start looking at them through that lens. Oh, that yeah. Helps, like that helps balance life out. You know, like they're not all shrunken apple dolls with cute little, cute little gold. Uh, you want presumption? No offense, Nick, but cute little gold glasses and shrunken apple heads with like lacy tops on and whatever the hell I'm saying. You could cut this down, right? <laughs> I'm too busy being offended by that personal attack on uh, my apple head and golden glasses. Oh, so many bubbies and sadies and crampies and grandpas and everybody's who, they are sweet people, but don't dig too much. Don't ask them what they really think. They'll, you know, they'll for your head through 17 panes of sugar glass you're gonna find out about a lot of landlording you didn't want to know <laughs> you're gonna hear about it you're gonna just you're gonna hear them realize things out loud that you don't want to hear them realize let's uh, let's or they're just gonna talk or they're just gonna go like well, that's just the way it was back then you're like I, really i'm nope. gonna switch it up like that that's the other thing here's another bee in my bonnet the greatest generation have you met some of those guys Far Would you from it. That more like the uh, the the justified the atom bomb generation. <laughs> the greatest generation. You guys came home from a war and got free houses. I mean, sure, you you saw your buddy's head get blown off. War is terrible. That's the understatement of the year. You can use that on a T-shirt. War is uh, terrible. War is terrible, but. These same dudes who came home and got free houses from the government are like clamping down on people getting six hundred dollars a week for to keep their heads afloat. Yeah, I mean, what fucks me up with all of that is the sort of younger generation of people who are still feeling that way, you know. And and I think that's the thing in the U.S. I'm I'm most worried about is people kind of zoning in on Trump and wanting to go into this new civilized era, back to the civilized era of Newt Gingrich and uh, <laughs> Tom Cotton. We need to just, we can work with Tom Cotton. And it's like all of these people are, the only reason Trump is in power is because, you know, they, he's doing I think that's like I think that's like part of the plan for a lot of, for a lot of like people who, or they realize it, that they've gotten whoever the fuck it is, political or not, uh, it goes for business, goes for everything, and all arguably political. But um, it's like you get to the point where people are so super saturated with uh, just day-to-day -day diarrhea that they, that they start missing the person who like put cigarettes out on their forehead and punch them in the face three times a week compared to the new guy who 
<laughs> maybe like makes them roll around in glass, put cigarettes out, cigarettes out on their forehead, and punches them in the stomach twenty times a week. You start, you start like pining for the good old days, and it's like, dude, don't pine for any of that. It's terrible. I mean, that, this could lead into. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your oeuvre. The what? Oeuvre, the Louvre of your oeuvre, the oeuvre that belongs. You look it up online. What do you need I, to know? See what I can find out about you. The Louvre. So that's a good question, Nick. I wonder what they're up to. The Louvre is probably doing virtual tours. We should go. Louvre, I looked it up. Louvre, uh, Louvre Banquet Hall. Is that what you're talking about? That's uh, here. That's in Los Angeles. The Louvre Banquet Hall. Shout out to the Louvre Banquet Hall in Los Angeles. There's a free ad for you on Nick's podcast. You should be seeing several businessmen coming in with Price Chopper's briefcases looking for a deal on cold cuts. Derek, just wondering, what is the name of my podcast? Uh, Nick's, uh, Nick's uh, hunky-dory hanging-up sesh? No, I'm kidding. You know that's not the name. Nick's locker room chat. Hello, sir. Uh, Lo- uh, uh, fact, oh? check- fact checking with the lock with the locker room boys. Meanwhile, I know your whole oeuvre. I know that you did the TV carnage, several videos, new videos. Are you still in the locker room boys? Did that band ever take off? Locker room boys had to break up because of negative connotations. Oh man! But you guys were all you guys did. You guys just saying like. You guys just sang about like chopping Sundays, banana splits, and roller skating, poodle skirts. They were all double entendres, my friend. (laughs) Those were all (laughs) really. That's a poodle skirt. A poodle skirt. Is that when somebody just takes a dump on your chest and fucking barks? You remember what Lenny Kravitz was working with (laughs) between (laughs) when his pants split? Yeah. The poodle skirt is that kind of uh, jewelry. That's what we call it. You worked for Vice TV. You were instrumental in the development of Vice. Biggie V1. Did the locker room boys, didn't your old band, the locker room boys, have like a apple picking farm for yeah, We were, uh, we squatted the old Chudley farm over here in Ontario. And uh, locker room boys had this wonderful orphanage we set up. And uh, it was great because it was like school, it was like School of Rock, except only we rocked, and all the orphans had to watch every day. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple other jokes in there. I would say. What's what are those? Other you guys jokes? must have been really proud when the ultimate locker room boy got voted in. Oh yeah, we were like lead singer number one. Dave, our David Lee Roth is now the prime minister of the Americas. And he, I call him 45. And he well, they call themselves Van Berlin, and it was David Lee Goth. Van Berlin? Yeah, just something like kind of gothy sounding, like German. Yeah, David Lee Goth. That's, uh, we, should, we should start a band called that. You've been in bands. Yeah, your, I've been in day. bands, dog. In your bands. Oh, I was, I was, uh, I was in the, uh, oh, I was, I was in the uh, Tiptoe Bandits. 
Tippy Toe Bandits. I was in the uh, single single use pizza. I was in uh, Don't Like Don't Tell. I was in Condon't. <laughs> I was in No Condoms. K N O W. Got a lot of flack for that one. You got to no condoms. You got it. Well, no condoms. No condoms, no doums. No condoms, no pleasure. Wait, That's what I, wait condoms, no. Yeah, no, I can't remember what the song was. We can cut this part out, too. Uh, moving on. That was Derek Beckles. Thank you for listening to Derek Beckles' talk. There will be more talk coming right up. But first, I just wanted to tell you that if you want to support the podcast financially, which I would really appreciate, which will result in you getting treats, extra treats, just go to patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan or ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. That's ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Uh, what can I say? I will provide you with things. If you go there and I also provide you with uh, one to four podcasts a week uh, already. So, so I really would appreciate your help. Uh, Andy, our producer is uh, very hungry. He needs food for not just him, but several mouths. So, uh, you know, you want that and you want me to also have food and uh, you want food. Let's get this train rolling. Anyway, you can also uh, review the podcast, subscribe, share it with friends, uh, tell people how awesome it is. All of this helps the podcast move along. The podcast being this podcast, Nick Flanagan Weekly. Anyway, thank you, and uh, enjoy the rest of my talk with Derek. So let's, let's go through all of my stuff that I've done so I can promote me and... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, let's get some promotion. I don't know how you're going to edit this. We've been on the phone for 15 hours. We haven't even talked about anything that I'm doing. I was trying to bring it up. <sighs> how did you do the TV carnage? Oh, God. Okay. So let's just like, you can, I'm going to, I just, this is the clapper board for where you start recutting the, you can cut out all the shit. We just, I got you. Okay. So, um, uh, TV cards I started years ago, you know, videotapes, tons of fucking videotapes, watching TV with friends, just taping stuff in and out of context, uh, absurd decisions that human beings have made, uh, on broadcast television and in the movies. So, and then we start, you know, trading tapes with each other and, uh, I, started like compiling them and uh, I had a friend who I'd do them with too and then it just took a fucking took on a life of its own and uh, I was convinced to start selling them and I was like I don't know if that's gonna work I don't think there's any other psychos out there that want this shit and then sure enough there were and those psychos ended up being some of the greatest human beings on the planet no, I, yeah, I mean, like, it, we, it, found, it found a following. It was great. It was like, it found a following. It was like, and it was like pre-internet mobile days. So 
you got to, it felt really special. It's always special to find people who are um, in like into something that's considered outsider or deviant or whatever the hell it is. Um, and you find other people who are like interested in something. And then you, to find, to find people who are like into like these, these like hour plus comedy art collages is pretty fucking crazy. It was pretty crazy. Still, it still makes me really happy to know that. And it's even kind of started something that was like, that has other people have like copied and, and or, you know, just straight up copied or have been influenced by. But uh, yeah, I thought that was great. I When I would hear stories about people coming up to you and saying, hey, this was a huge influence on me or, you know, um, it, it's funny to think that what you were doing in your house in Parkdale or whatever was suddenly not just part of like an underground thing, but then it became influencing people who, because of the insanity of how things get around culturally, you know, are, it's like, it, it's like a grandparent or a parent or a son all at once. Eh? Who is? Carnage. What? Yeah, it is. I, and then I, I like, I was lucky. I was like, it, it, I met great people through it. Like I met Gelman. I, you know, I met Eric, Mr. Eric Andre, Brett Gelman, John Daly, all these fantastic weirdos that are like really special minds that, uh, that told me how much they loved and appreciated what I did. And it, and in turn, I didn't even have to summon up the energy to tell them likewise, because I felt, I naturally felt exactly the same way toward them. Like I did, you know what I mean? Like, um, and uh, yeah, it was great. I got to do things. I got to, I got in like through the back door, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like how people usually get their career started. Like I found this weird little like bathroom window that you would, when, when I used to go to like, when I used to go to clubs and it was like, I was underage and we'd go to like late night clubs and a lot of like late night, like gay dance clubs and stuff. And you would just like have to climb through like the bathroom window to get into the club and then just pretend we're in there the entire time. And that's how my career feels. I feel like I'm still, you know, like I got started by sneaking through the bathroom window in the winter and pretending I was in the bathroom for a while, but coming out of this like packed club and going like, Oh, this is awesome. Right. Uh, or it wasn't necessarily a pack club, but it was definitely a, a club of a clubs of, for weirdos. You know what I mean? Like just like everybody was just like a fantastic weirdo. Anyways, uh, yeah. And but if that analogy sticks, let it stick, baby. Well, I thought that Eric Andre was a a really interesting person for you to connect with, and I just like how did it wind up kind of being so many projects together? You know, you've you've helped out each other with a, a few things, right? Yeah, and, like if we've, there's Eric Andre's shows, uh, mostly for millennials. I just did a new show called uh, The F-Spot with Derek Beckles, which is a uh, half-hour focus group series where <laughs> we just, I just do focus groups. And then I've like, yeah, I've written on and Eric's movie, like specifically with him, like a lot of stuff. I think it's because we were naturally 
similar and had like a lot of like really funny coinc like a like we had like a a long list of coincidental things similar in our lives that doesn't happen often. Like what? And, um, hmm? Like what? What are some of those? Uh, I think just like our sensibilities in general, and then I mean, for what for for whatever reason, uh, you know, people thought think we're kind of like versions of each other i guess is the way to put it but we're, we're just like it's we we were naturally ourselves when we met and continue to be but it's and it does feel like you know not to speak for him but i i feel like when him and i have talked about it it's like yeah we just feel like we've known each other even before we knew each other it felt like we had known each other for a while you know what i mean like you meet people like that sometimes in life where it just kind of clicks and you feel like you've known them in a way longer than you have I've known her for years now years upon years but um you know you just like you kind of like click with people it's great it's it's wonderful we you know it's like biracial parents with similar backgrounds uh similar genetics <laughs> we share genetic slices of pie no yeah we we uh we love math uh, but also, I would say that something that I love about uh, you know, the Eric Andre. We're both super into collecting. What? Well, I just think there's something about what Eric Andre does uh, that is like, it brings out a Marx Brothers type of thing for sure. Like this kind of a very primal kind of laugh getting. But there's also something subversive in it but not just for subversion's sake. And I don't even know what that quite is. And I feel like you're in that same artistic boat. And I feel the same way about Vernon Chapman, who- Yes, I mean, there's another fucking amazing human being that I've been lucky enough to, to meet in my life. And likewise for John, his, his creative partner, John. Uh, um, yeah, I, you know, it, it is, there's something, uh, I, I think there's just certain sensibilities that can't be taught to you or that that you can't just kind of like they're not ready to wear they're not like off the rack and you know um it's the kind of stuff that can't be taught like you can you can go to different sorts of classes or improv and stuff but there's just certain things that i think that uh people do and have uh, whether or not they've been formally trained that you know separate them from a lot of people it doesn't mean necessarily that you're a massive fan of theirs but you you do appreciate um what separates them from the average whatever i mean that goes for anything that goes for anything that's artistic but i think in comedy it's it's a when it when it works it's a, it's a rare beast I'm, I'm not trying to like blow myself, but I, I feel like I, I, I have an aspect of that, whether or not people like what I do. And I've never met anyone who doesn't like what I do. I mean, I would say that judging from like just this morning going out to get my mail, uh, regardless of the fact that there was no mail today, there was like probably four or 5,000 people outside of my house, uh, screaming, crying, 
Uh, and again, I don't condone it, but several people get trampled. Uh, did anyone, so I think the proof's in the pudding. Did they make pudding? Is that what you're saying? That 5,000 people created? Yeah, these are just people from my pudding club. <laughs> That's crazy. I think of like, when you think about just like, you do the math, dude. If like I have five thousand people showing up for my pudding club, imagine what I can do with name name another club. I dare you. Putting putting in work. No. See, putting in work. Except you said. Oh my god. <laughs> the worst part is, you're like. A few days ago, you're like, I think it would be fun to have you around for some some job. It would be really cool. And now I'm like, hey, man. Yeah, yeah. now I'm regretting it. And thanks for pointing it out. Well, this goes on the cutting room floor. You know what? You just, you just reminded me that I shouldn't hire you, but I like that kind of moxie in a guy who's trying to save me some money on a bad hire. So I should hire the guy who saved me the money. Nick, you are in. Woo! Um, now I want to go back here for one second, talking about what we were just discussing, uh, because the thing you just said about people not needing to be trained <clears throat> about comedy in a way coming from someone's like inherent perspective, personality, history, all the crazy pile that makes us us, that's part of the source material for Carnage. Like that's what you're seeing when you yeah, I, I mean, like everybody on those tapes are there. They're like, they're sorry. I, I think I just cut you off, but they, I was going to say that they're just like, uh, I, I'm fascinated by the choices that human beings make while they're trying to convey the human experience on camera. <laughs> it's, there's like such a bizarre disconnect, and uh, you know, it's kind of like one of the ultimate heightened ironies. Um, is humans trying to be human as soon as the camera goes on? It's like, they've, <laughs> they've, they've had zero human experiences, apparently, as soon as the camera goes on. But, uh, um, you know, and, and TV Carnage is kind of a celebration of that and choices that people make choices and, you know, all kinds of shit where, um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's not meant to be, I mean, there's, I mean, TV Carnage is like puts certain things on display that are, that are terrible, like there's some overtly uh, troubling things on TV Carnage, um, which is also just a reflection of, uh, of of who we are and what we consume. But by and large, it's like a celebration of like, it's like a love letter to, to like bad choices and weirdos, you know what I mean? Well, it's almost like what poisoned uh, something like The Room, you know, which I think, and, and, and certain things like that where People like us, when we get into a, a movie like The Room, you know, part of Tommy Wiseau is just a fascination with his choices without really judging it, you know, as being something lame, something stupid. Like, I prefer that mystery that you're talking about of just like, how did this come about? Yeah, it's so like, it's so artful in its like, in its representation. It's, and it's like because it's it, because it's like it, it, every breathing moment possible, it goes against every, <laughs> every probable instinct, correct instinct you should like walk toward. It's like, nah, I think I'll go down this. <laughs> I think I'll go down this like weird little pathway that has a bunch of broken glass and <laughs> and blood on it. 
uh, and that's you know when people like just make those choices for for what they're creating and stuff. It's fucking. I mean, sometimes it's sometimes it's just like a it's like a it's a it's a thing of beauty. You know, it's like this opera. It's so fantastic and it's so like undefinable. Like you couldn't, re- you can't replicate it. Well, Unless, and I've I've argued this with people before. When it comes to like the room, for example, I still think that would have been in better hands when it was redone if like Progressive did it. Like if they got f- flow and all of the, the the entire crew from the Progressive commercials, and if they just like really just like. You know what I mean? Just stuck it to the room. Yeah. (laughs) I think definitely getting a sort of corporate attack on the room using uh, well-known mascots is is like the Aflac duck. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Progressive, for example, again, they're another example of like going against all better instincts. They could have made just like these fly-by-night kind of whatever commercials, but they just, they were like, Let's go for it. Let's like, let's wiseo these ads. Let's just make these things. There's so many things like that. Do you think Wayfair does child trafficking? I mean, I don't know. Do you see like, I mean, can you go, you can't really go into Wayfair. Wayfair is like online only. Yeah. I mean, when you go into Ikea, there's like always children's shoes just mysteriously. True, and there's the ballroom. Like abandoned throughout the store, which is, could be telling. I wish they were telling, but it's still a secret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) These shoes seldom snitch, dude. We all know that. Uh, What's the oldest age you ever went into the ballroom at Ikea? I've never gone into this. Like, I'm a bit of a... Every, even when I was a kid, I was properly neurotic. I was going to say Nairobic. <laughs> Nairobi on my mind for some reason. And aerobics. Neurotics. Neurotics in Africa. So, uh, I was Nairobic. I was neurotic enough. I didn't like... When I'd see... I kind of turned into like this like erudite elitist upperclassman when I saw kids, even when I was like eight, like in a room full of balls just bouncing around, I was just like, ugh, you heathens, for God's sakes. What exactly are you doing? I liked it because it felt like I maybe could die. I was just like, the amount of spittle that you're sharing right now. Good your Your infantile mouths, for God's sakes. How do you know there is not we on these balls? I was just, yeah. I was just like, you know, the urine intake. <laughs> the urine uh, intake is like, it's got to be off the charts. Yeah. And then probably on the charts, gross. Yeah. But, okay. Who cleaned the ballroom? We really have to call this episode that and also <laughs> find that out. But <laughs> you go to the airports, you go to the restaurants. There's this guy trying his best to to do something that he's not crazy about. A guy or a gal. You know, they're just like, I'm I'm making a living. And part of my job is I gotta clean this toilet. This, we're, the, we're a bunch of like you really get to like 
I've worked in like restaurants. I've had to clean bathrooms and stuff. You really get a feel for your clientele, let's say. And I like work. I've worked at like restaurants where like supposed to be like, wait, it's funny. Oh my God. Can you believe us? Uh, oh my God. This menu. It's in another language. How much is that sandwich? Uh, and you know, like a lot of money for like French fry cordon bleu or whatever the fucker they're serving. And then, uh, and then you go to the bathroom and it's just like, Oh, these guys are like fucking this. They're all doing like a life sentence for like the most horrific fucking mass murders. They're like just degenerate scumbags. And it's just like, you have to get on a ladder to spray that much fucking diarrhea on the wall. God. And then, like, they come back upstairs and they complain. Yeah, and you're like, no wonder you're complaining. Yeah, you just... I don't even know where my story's going. What I'm saying is, you can't wipe a book by its cover. No, you have to use the pages. You have to use the pages. And, so the, and uh, uh, where, where was any of this going? I mentioned to you... Something I asked you two questions out of nowhere, and now I'm going to move it back to where we were before. Yeah, let's just go back. Let's just cut this part out. This one's going to hit the editing room floor. Yeah, th- what I had to say, say before, just to put a but. Uh, All right, a- let me just clap my hands. You know, when you hear that part, we're starting over, dude. New chapter. Now, when we, uh, I'm just going to finish the the carnage thing here, and I'm, I'm going to d- describe. Yeah, let's something. get off carnage. I've done stuff since then. I'm continuing to do things. Make the new TV carnage called Cop Movie, which I'm, God, please let me get it done soon because I've been doing it for like four thousand years. Oh my God! Okay, now I'm just going to go real quick uh, to to tie it in to what you're doing now, and I'm going to. I'm so hot, dude! I'm so hot and cranky. Again, this room is so hot. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. This is I'm, terrible. What's sick is I'm 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 still enjoying talking to you, and because you're in a cool, I can tell. I have no fan in here. It's a little hot. I got a little sweat. The, the shirt look. Look at my forehead. Yeah, I'm looking at your forehead. It looks divine, by the way. Divine! So, Carnage to me is wonderful because it's both, it's so many different moments. It's the most troubling shit you've ever seen in your life. Thank it's pe- you. People, it's people who you've who you love and cherish. I'm talking about your eye here. You seem to love and cherish and get joy out of their insane choices in front of the camera. Yeah. And some of them are despicable. And Uh, some of them are despicable for sure. And then also it's something where you're like, uh, catching every twist on a genre. And it turns out there's a million of those twists. Your workout video is a great example of just using the same clip. Uh, not clip, but the same, not just theme, but literally sh- type of show. And you have like 1,800 different types of shows going on, like that you're you're sampling in there. must have made you go crazy. And now you're doing it with cops. Oh, God. I love doing it so much. But yeah, the exercise one drove me fucking mad. And by the way, halfway through the exercise one, which kind of just happened with this cop one too, uh, I lost like about half of my media and that just happened with the cop one day too but um it's like it's like this like uh yeah it's it's anyways the i was gonna say it's just like this like it's 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 torturous when that happens and it's just like it's so like 
but you you know that you really want to you know that you really want to finish it because I just got back up on the horse and just started like pulling the media back in and like finding stuff and refinding stuff. But anyways, that's that's boring. But um, for for the exercise thing, it was it was so crazy because it's also like super procedural. There's everybody tries to find their own way, <laughs> tries to inject their own personality and their own take on fucking moving their bodies around. And it's mostly direct address. It's like, all, it's almost exclusively direct address. It's like at you. It's an hour, it's an hour and a half of people screaming at you uh, for your own, for your, for your own well-being, supposedly. And, uh, and then, I, and then as, as I was doing them, I realized like, I kind of knew it, but it really became evident that the people who did these tapes quite often were, trying to it was a, it was like a sad indictment of the industry like they were trying to remind people that they were still alive like they, they still got it it's like look at this i can still kick you want me in one of your movies i can do an action scene if you want like it was like they were like very self-serving in like their benevolence it was like this is how you keep healthy and by the way i can still do this if you hire me for something and then other people were like look i i made uh I mean, I had a lot of sex with a lot of people on a lot of different cameras and uh, for people to pleasure themselves to. And um, now I'd like to make a break into uh, serious entertainment. So I'm going to do an exercise tape. There's like so many porn stars. For, like, don't think about, don't think about genitalia in my mouth or in my face. Just think about me now on this set talking to you like a human being. And then the other ones were just like cash grabs, just like yeah. grifters <laughs> with like a new way to like stretch your legs. And it's like, I don't know, there's a, real, there's a new way that no one's thought of to stretch my legs. Um, uh, walking is my favorite way to stretch the old legs. Somebody's calling me from a 416 number. How ironical is that? It's a crazy thing. Is this live? Is that, are people just calling me now to like, are these death threats that I'm receiving? Yeah, people call you with questions that you don't hear on the show. You um, um, but yeah, yeah, that's that. The the cop one I think is going to be good. And now I'm hoping so. It's like it's tough because it's like they're procedural. They're crazy. They share so much of the same DNA that you're basically in this like infinite loop of the same decisions. It's got to be one of the laziest genres ever. And and it's and there's people have I've been obsessed with it because it teaches so many bad lessons for everything from horrendous stereotypes to um, a rewriting of of people's rights and and what law enforcement should be allowed to do and how they should be allowed to um, how they should be allowed to essentially seek justice by any means necessary. And they always think like they, everything's a clue that they can like immediately satisfy. And like, and it's like, it, it's like they are, they are honestly like most of these cop movies are like episodes of like Batman. Yeah. Where well, they're, they're just like figuring out a riddle from the Joker. And you're like, there could have been 1000 possible destinations that you could have gone at, gone to with with this particular or supposed clue maybe this is even a clue you're just like you're smelling 
you're smelling like a credit card that was on the ground. I don't know why you're divining so much in information from that. And somehow you figured out where the warehouse was by the smell of this cologne on this credit card. It must be down at the warehouse. You recently posted the uh, montage of uh, turning your badge and gun. Yeah, to your classic. Instagram account. And it reminded me yeah, of- the Instagram account, so what? What you were just talking I'm about- i like a rich kid, but I got uh, myself an Instagram account because I scrimped and I saved. You gotta, you gotta let, you gotta save, you gotta be a bit thrifty and then you get- Because uh, I'd see that baseball, that baseball glove in the window. And I knew that I had to like bag a few more groceries to go and get it. But then I saw that Instagram account in the window and I was like, now I don't want the baseball glove anymore. I want the Instagram account. So I got a job down at the hardware store too, Nick. And I put every penny into getting that Instagram account. So I'm not one of these kids who's just born with an account in their mouth. What, tell me about those kids. You know, the ones with the bows in their hair. The account in their mouth. Huh? But here we go. You're sweaty. You're hating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, <laughs> I'm so cranky. You're cranky. You love me. Use the funny parts of this. If there are any, Nick, use the funny parts of this, please. Can you tell me something you like about me? Oh, the fact that you're like in such an air-conditioned, lovely-looking room. Thank you. Well, you should come here. You should get a, a room at the delightful Artscape Gibraltar Point. And right it's, here. It's fantastic. I'll right. be right back. I need a, I'm going to get myself it's a a Sapporo premium beer crafted yes. in Guelph, Ontario. Sapporo. The beer of, uh, I don't want to have it. The beer of people who don't do things wrong. We're good. There's a very racist Sapporo ad on TV that you should try and find. It's, it's Sapporo racist. premium beer. The makers of one of the most racist commercials you've Nick's ever seen on TV. What it, it, not like the uh, greaser Japanese uh, character is like a prominent part of it. And at the end he goes, arigato. Yeah, but he's like a Japanese rockabilly guy. Yes. Racist. You know, that's racist. It's just like a subsect of a culture that I could never understand what people, why people worship it. <laughs> well, they're called weebs. I'm a, I'm a greaser. Drink out of your own fountain. I'm a greaser. Back of the bus. Well, listen to some. <laughs> well, listen to the big bopper. Boom, 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 boom. Sit back of the bus. I represent the original serial killer. <laughs> You're all like Charlie Starkweather, like invented that genre. <laughs> like, wasn't a great era for a lot. Look, go get your Sapporo. I'll ask you about your new show, and then we can go our several ways. How does that sound? Yeah, but you got to We got to go through the roadmap of what stuff you're going to use off of this meandering. Pod, well, what, what are your podcasts? Seventeen days. Yeah, that's if you pay them. Play them at double speed. Do you listen on double speed to podcasts? Yeah, I got the double speed feature. By the way, I'm not one of those rich kids when double speed feature was just given to me. Okay, I worked Bye. hard for it. Yeah, I went out every day and I collected paper clips and I traded them for a ball of twine and then I traded that 
for a popsicle stick birdhouse. And then I traded that for a plastic bag briefcase from Whole Foods. Price chopper. Later. I sold that to the guy who I worked for at the hardware store so he could put keys in it. And guess what? I put all that money towards an Instagram account and I purchased the double speed feature. I think you just did every character's voice from The Godfather. <laughs> like, went like with it, like via a discount Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah, definitely via. <laughs> I mean, I love a beer. You know what my favorite summer beer is? I learned it this year. You know what it is? Oh. Iger beer. What's that? Like it, it might be a Thai beer called Tiger. And it, oh, uh, Tiger beer! It's it's killer. I used to dig that. Was like they tried to get a foothold in. Uh, I remember they used to like they used to they, they probably still do, but they used to like you could just get Tiger beers if you're doing like a uh, gallery party. Right. It was like a Pabst Blue Ribbon. It was like a PBR alternative. It's better. I like it a lot better than. Yeah, media. it's a lot better. It's a lot better. Let's move. Let's move on, shall we? Oh god. So your new show is called. So I did. T- good question. So I did. So after TV Carnage, I got hit up by uh, Adult Swim, and back back in those old fashioned days, like I had, I was contacted by, and uh, he started becoming acquaintances with these guys named Tim and Eric. And then uh, we'd email back and forth. And then lo and behold, Adult Swim asked me if I wanted to do a thing. And I did a thing called Totally for Teens, which I was trying desperately to have it made in Canada. Everything I wanted to make in Canada, I could not make. And then I went to the States and they're like, humana, humana. What? Yeah. Let's, like they were just like, all right, toots. Really? They were slapping me on my ass, which I wasn't a fan of, but they were like, let's do it, Hotsi Totsi. Like, they, all these things that I was, like, slogging around Toronto and Canada, I, I, and they let me do in the States. Uh, so it's crazy. From these VHS tapes went these, you know, came these opportunities, i.e. my uh, analogy of climbing uh, through the bathroom window at a club when I was underage. But yeah, so after, so TV Carnage, and then I went to uh, uh, Totally for Teens, and then I did a show called, and then I wrote on a bunch of stuff for Adult Swim and other people, and then I did a show called, my next project, my next like project of significance for TV was Hot Package, uh, my personal project, and that was great, and I got Pat O'Brien to be in that in the first season. And he was not sure what he was in for. And boy, did he, you know what's funny is like, I, at first I could tell he, was, he wasn't necessarily into the idea and he wasn't sure what he was in for. But after we got to work together for a while and everything, and he got to see how I work, he wanted the fuck out as soon as possible. Why did I sign on the dotted line, get me out of this lunatics? They're ruining the sacred name of entertainment TV. His uh, phone so, call ended his career is just he one was, of my. He was great though because he's so fucking masterful. Of just like he can make anything sound important. It's a true art. It's like yeah. it's crazy. And the second year we got Mark McGrath, and he was actually 
a sweet person to work with. Uh, we had a guy named Jeff Dean Turner. Uh, his, total dude. Was, uh, he was, um, <laughs> turns, it turned out that he was uh, fixated with Wilson Milano. And he's in a documentary called I Think We're Alone Now because he was also fixated with Tiffany. And he was our entertainment kind of gossip columnist for the show. Uh, and that was a trip. And then we had like people like Jan Terry and like we had like everyone we had on the show were like people that were from like literally ripped from the pages of TV cards. I found them in real life and I put them on TV. Uh, and it's something I've been doing for years pre Adult Swim and I and I uh, I love doing that shit. So um, and then I did a I'm fast forward and jumping all over the place. Eric Andre show that was so great because since from day one we had to like design the show and figure out what what the rules were and for everything that's fucking crazy there still has to be rules people just people are just like look at that sick of that shit you just kind of like fucking put a bunch of words in a blender and then just fucking blah, scream and i'm just like no it's like you actually have to like put a lot of work into being crazy it's exactly yeah. you have to put a lot a lot a lot of work and you have to be like you have to like put a lot of like you have to be as smart as you can be in in different ways to uh to allow a particular type of mania uh and to have it translate or for some people it just looks like complete madness other people see i think a bit more of what we're trying to do but um and then i did mostly for millennials this is fantastic i'm skipping all over the place but uh mostly for millennials was a show that eric and i did as well and we're still doing on and off. Um, and then I just finished. And Mosey for Linos was like so fucking fun to make and so great. And Fred Durst was the DJ on it. And we had some, we, we, we had a lot of people on the show who didn't know that they were coming on the show to be interviewed, like Ann Coulter. Uh, she was one of the guests. Uh, which, you know, people were like, why do you have Ann Coulter on? I was like, because she's like part of this world that we should not ignore like and i'm not i'm not i'm in no danger of like having her on the show and going like whoa man everything you're saying makes so much sense to me but we tend to just like having certain people on show on the show so we can drive them crazy the same way you drive like a, a substitute teacher crazy you know well yeah that's fix the grade the distinction for me between Jackass or, or Tom Green, I mean, it's closer to, you know, what Sasha Baron Cohen does, but he's coming from this weird British perspective, almost above this kind of thing, uh, for better or worse, whatever. And, but when you, when Eric Andre, when he was at the RNC in 2016, yeah, that video was like my favorite thing of the year. It you was know. like so. There's another guy who writes on the show who's like an old buddy of Eric's named Dan Curry. And I think, and Josh Cohen at the time was producing, he had in for getting us press credentials. And I had done a bunch of this type of stuff too. And I had like done like interviews and shit for like Vice TV. And I, I was no stranger to basically 
you know, interviewing people who wanted to kill me. And, oh, you've been doing that forever. Hmm? Really? You've been doing that for a really... Yeah, yeah. So this was like, this was like such familiar territory for me. It was gleeful. Plus, I was saying, you know, I said to Eric, I was just like, and he realized this too, obviously, but I was just like, this is, this is like shooting fish in a, in a thimble. Uh, there's like, <laughs> uh, it's like, it was, it was crazy. Everything you wanted was there. It was like a one-stop shopping area or a one-stop shopping kind of experiment where you could, every time you turned around in any direction, you could, there's a new mark that you could drive absolutely batshit crazy. But it also captured and then kind of helped people uh, calm people about the tone of the next four years, I think, you know, like. I don't think anybody was like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, here's the thing. It's like politics is one of those things where you should uh, never wear it like it's a, like you're, People treat politics like a hockey team, you know, like they put on a jersey and, and that, that's it. And it's just like, and uh, it seeps into everything. So there's a lot of that here. And and I, and I it's like, it's the true believers are the ones to, on either side are the ones to really have fun with. Yeah. Um, because it becomes cultish, you know, and it becomes, and it becomes like just so naive too. It's just like my suit. It's like you know, it's another form of religion, and in, in that, it's just like my superhero is the greatest. My superhero is Muller, and he's <laughs> coming for you. Only my superhero has the keys to righteousness. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's then- it's it's so much fun. But it's yeah, not you're doing it for a reason. Anybody can walk into a room and fart and scream and get people's attention and drive people crazy, but there's a way to do it that uh you know. I just thought that segment really captured uh like the pure insanity that we're at, the the complete inversion like of truth even mattering, our truth mattering more than anything else, true believer thing. And, you know, I just thought, and also the editing, I don't, I don't think it was edited by Vic Berger, but it was definitely something that set the stage for, uh, all those videos he does. And, you know, yeah, a lot of- I mean, Vic, Vic, uh, yeah, you know, it's a, he's another guy who, um, when I, the first time I met him, he was, he was so, it felt great because he was so overly familiar with TV cards as well. Like, it, you know, he, he told me that it was like a huge inspiration to him. And it's so weird because I've been like so low key about it. Now I just talk about it more because being low key about it doesn't really, it's nice to be humble, but doesn't exactly put French fries on your plate all the time. You know what I mean? Gotta ask for French fries. And if you don't tell, if you don't kind of set this, the, if you don't kind of like let people know about the history of things, then that. Uh, a lot of people will fill the vacuum in with their own version of it. So, you know, I get it. I get it. Words of the wise for any kids out there listening, you know, if you're the best, if you've got like, uh, if you're the best hula hooper in your school, uh, 
don't let other kids take that away from you. If you're really no. good at hula hooping, because that your friend Timmy or Bobby or or uh, Susie, they might pretend they're the best hula hooper, even if they watched you hula hoop. And then what? Tell me about your new show about focus groups and what is it about? Uh, it's everybody has a fucking opinion, is what it should be called. Um, but it's called the F spot with Jared Beckles. There's a uh, it's a focus group, half hour, a thirty minute focus group show, um, where I also <laughs> after every focus group, I take one of the people in the focus group and I assemble my ultimate focus group team for the for the final focus at the end of the show. So it's got like this like competitive aspect to it that none of the people in the show realize <laughs> is going on, and they get called back to be the ultimate focus group. the The wonderful thing about them, bless their hearts, is like. You know, you want, like, the best kind of characters for, for shows like this. Uh, when you're kind of, like, on Eric on Eric Andre's show, mostly for millennials, on this F-Spot, the, the F-Spot with Derek Michaels, the focus group show, on all these shows, you want, like, great marks, you know? Like, you want, you want, because you're going to be, you're, you're essentially the lunatic, but you want, like, you want people who, like, will authentically give you their opinions or their reactions. Yeah. So, yeah, we got some great people. They had a lot to say, and and the more the the and the less they kind of like respect what you're like. You know, I'm like a guy doing focus groups. The less they have, they respect that of me, the better it is. You know what I mean? Like, the more they think you're some sort of ad executive, they can finally. Or some, not even uh, what it, like a wage slave that they're like able to just sort of. Yeah, there's that aspect of it. And then there's also the aspect of like telling me that I'm actually terrible at my job, you know, which is always great to have people do. Uh, and those are, those are great reactions. Then that, that they themselves just having opinions about stuff. Uh, yeah, we did a great, we did one of my favorite things I've done. Uh, we did like a, a bit that we wrote that I, I came with this idea and then we, and Eric produced this with me too. And I had great people on it. Like Jocelyn Hughes was writing on it. And, uh, uh, oh God, oh, this is not the time for my brain to not work in this hot room. I'm in. Okay. This is the last question. Uh, no, um, and we had, this is, you can't, you, uh, I keep forgetting that you're not just doing an interview where you're going to write this down. You're actually going to hear me going like, um, uh, um, Chris Santino was one of the writers, Jocelyn Hughes, and uh, uh, Sarah Sherman, and Eric. That's uh, Sarah Squirm. Is that Sarah yeah. Squirm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a talent. Um. Yeah, so anyways, I did this bit where we dressed people up as Frankensteins and Draculas. And what I was secretly trying to do was like kind of poke them with like a political stick and get there. And like I started asking them questions that they were obviously like was not about the makeup they were wearing. It was so it was great because in my mind when I was writing it, I wanted to see a room of Frankensteins and Draculas arguing with each other and getting mad at me and we achieved that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the conservatives were the Frankensteins and like the, the 
the liberals were the Draculas. It was it was pretty fantastic. And when will that be out? That's a great question. It's like the pandemic. Uh, Zach Fox was another writer on it. Uh, Andre Highland. These are all people who are like contributing to it. They're anyways. Um, sorry, dude. I'm in this hot room. I'm all over the place. I'm passing out. <laughs> oh, uh, what's coming out? I have no idea because of the pandemic, which has affected us all and put us in a completely different world. So, um, uh, let me start. Let me try that again. I don't know when it's coming out. I think in the next month or two, hopefully, before like it also has like a the ability to have the most mysterious like rollouts on TV. So uh, I don't know when it's going to be. Hopefully well, soon. Hopefully soon. Well, that's good enough for me. Derek Beckles, thank you very much. Do you have any words of advice for how people can get through this ongoing catastrophic pandemic, even though everything's going to be fine, as you said earlier? I would say um, everything's going to be great. Everything's great. I would recommend just uh, having a great attitude, a great haircut, uh, pop your collars, let them know that you're not here to make friends. Uh, mission accomplished. Um, just do it. Uh, well no fear. Uh, uh, be water. What? Be water. Yeah. Um, watch the mask singer as much as possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. That's a great. The mask singer is honestly like, in terms of one of the good things that's come out of the situation we're in is like, there's a lot of like quality TV being produced. And the mask singer is probably one of the best murder mysteries that you could ever want if you're if you're a fan of that genre Palin. it's funny it it keeps you on your toes uh it is just left turn after left turn red herring after red herring uh the writing is we're spoiled with the writing on, on the red herring. The, i mean the, sorry on the mass singer <laughs> when palin saying uh baby got back and and nick cannon twerked i just said oh, everything's this is great. Um, I love life. That is, uh, wow. There should yeah. be people with pitchforks and torches on the streets. I know. There should be so many things happening. Everything has to be protested all at once. We don't have the time, yet we have all the time in the world. You are my good friend. Once again, I would like you to... Nick. Nick, please put this together so it's an it's an easy ride for people. We went off roading. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out, and it's gonna be. You gotta do me a do me a do, do me a solid here. No, you don't understand. I'm in the pocket for making an edited good episode. I'm gonna edit it first, then I'm gonna send it to my producer to edit further, oh. and this is gonna come out like a goddamn uh spring bean it's gonna be it's gonna be like you took a turd and you froze it and then you put some of that canadian tire uh car wax all over it i miss you can you say something nice about me 
I love you. I'm glad you're doing this podcast. I think you uh, will only hone your podcast skills more and more and more. <laughs> that's not a... That's a <laughs> Derek, thank you very much. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I got something nice to say to you. You're, you're, uh, you're a pal because you're like one of the most human and honest and um, earnest people that I've met. And that is a quality that I wish 99% of the people I knew had. And at this point, they're all scumbags compared to you. You're a wonderful man and I love you, Nick. Baby boy, we're from the same city. That's why you got that shit too. That's all I'm saying. You, you got that earnestness. You got all kinds of things going on that create that thing you do. Never let them get you down. Thank and you. remember, we're all going to wind up back in Scarborough one day. And yeah. I can't, can't wait to be there in Wexford, Ontario, enjoying that High Point Park. We're going to be sitting there next to each other, fanning ourselves. Feeding the golf. Like Carl during Scarborough Fashion Week. <laughs> Scarborough. I met you at Scarborough Fashion Week. You did. You did. We were like, we were competing, but we still found grace. I mean, when you're getting changed and you're just looking at each other. each other. Called friendship. Mm hmm All right. High I'm stakes, though, dude. Like, so it was Scarborough. I remember it was Scarborough Fashion Week, then it was Scarborough Bluffs Fashion Week the week after, and we both had new collections coming out. Yeah, yours was unfortunately lost in that um, uh, major theft. Remember, they, they someone cleaned out the whole yeah, warehouse. Yeah, turns out it was the, the Willowdale Fashion. Uh, there's this Willowdale Fashion Gang yeah. that we're going to try and re... Oh, this is what drives me crazy. It's just like, you can't go to Barry Fashion Week and pretend that you designed the clothes that you stole from Scarborough Fashion Week, you Willowdale hacks. Clearly you can, because they did, and we've never been repaid for it. They did not steal my art and work because it remained in the warehouse. I was a little offended, but when they stole yours, it was like they stole mine. And ladies and gentlemen, Jack Beckles and his work have stolen your heart. Zadies and gentlemen. Zadies and gentlemen. Hey, Zadies, Bubbies, and Ben Shapiro. Don't, no, don't. Oh, that. <laughs> Zadies and Gentiles. Zadies and Gentiles. Zadies and Gentiles or Zadies and Gentlemen. I'm not sure. <laughs> Zadies and Gentile men. <laughs> there we go. Uncut, uncensored, straight out of Los Angeles. I cannot believe I can't believe the kind of stuff I'm going to get in trouble for, the the way I took it to the people who make those insurance ads. Oh, I'm done in this business. I'm done. I tell you, pressing stop. And that was Derek and I, Derek Beckles, everybody, ending our talk with a nice compliment for me. Wasn't that nice, Derek? 
I almost forgot he was involved in Danny's House, which was a Vice show featuring the great rapper Danny Brown. <clears throat> There's like no end of things to say about stuff Derek has done, but we're done now. So maybe in part two, we can talk about the more things that he's done. But yeah, Derek Beckles, check out his stuff, tvcarnage.com. And the F spot with Derek Beckles will be premiering on Adult Swim any day now. So keep an eye out for that. And he's on Instagram, TV Carnage, all that good stuff. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick. We're on Twitter and all that stuff. And uh, have a great freaking time. Bye. Oh, man. Nick. Oh, God. Flanagan. Weekly. Oh, man. Nick Flanagan Weekly.